My parents would kill me if they knew I had a boyfriend. Especially if they knew what we've been doing lately. I, I can't stop it. I, I binge, and then I flush it all down. No one can help me. I'm sick and, and alone. When I cut myself, life doesn't hurt so much. Obviously, some deep, deep pain that young girls can experience and um, what they're going through, tragically, many parents don't even know about. Today, we're going to look at secret sins, things that teen girls can get caught up in and why they feel trapped. And we'll also offer God's help and hope for rescue. This is Focus on the Family with your host, Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and obviously, some tough stuff today. Uh, John, it is tough stuff, but I um, feel like it's important to talk about it. And so often, we're trying so hard as parents to do the right things, to create the right environment, to teach our kids um, the right things, the rules, uh, the behavior that we want to see in them. But so often, underneath all of that are activities that we're unaware of. And I think even in the Christian community, and sometimes if your children are going to Christian school, maybe even homeschooled, or certainly in public school environments, they're going to encounter things that can open them up to painful experiences. And what we want to do today is to talk to our very special guest and what she experienced as a teen girl, what she's written about, um, how many girls she has helped uh, through at-risk behavior. And uh, don't turn away from this. Even if you don't have teen girls, I have two teen boys. I'm trying to prepare them to be good husbands someday. And it's good for us dads of only boys to understand what's going on in a girl's heart. Um, and so stick with us. You are going to be a better parent at the end of this. Mm. And uh, if it's not clear yet, we are going to be tackling some pretty sensitive subject matter. And so if you've got younger children uh, and maybe you're not prepared to talk uh, with them about some of these issues, it's probably good to have them uh, out of your shot. And our guest today is Jessie Manassian, and uh, she's got a website called Life, Love, and God. And she interacts with teen girls and young women about some of the struggles we heard about there a moment ago and how to apply Bible-based truth to their lives. And I think you're right, Jim. This is going to be stuff that uh, parents of girls and boys can benefit from. Definitely. Uh, Jesse, let me welcome you back to Focus. It's so good to be here with you guys. Um, when you look at it, uh, part of me hearing that set up with those girls expressing that pain, those are the kinds of emails and letters that we receive here at Focus on the Family. So we know what you're talking about. Um, before we go any further, uh, describe your ministry and what you're doing and the hope that you bring, and then we'll jump into the tough subject matter. Well, I do have a website, Life, Love, and God. I've had that for over a decade now. And it began as just a way for girls to ask questions about anything they wanted to. They could write in anonymously or they could share their names. And 90% of the questions are about boys because, <laughs> right. you know, that's what we girls think about most of the time. Um, but it was amazing under that cloak of anonymity, how many girls started to open up about the struggles that they had, these secret sins. I saw this common denominator, five specific 
specifically sins that more and more girls are struggling with. What are they? The five sins that I see most often are sexual addiction, self-harm or cutting, substance abuse, same-sex relationships, and eating disorders. When you look at that, and especially, again, uh, what I said a moment ago, in Christian community, in Christian homes, we tend to not assume that our teen girls or our 20-something girls will be involved in this because they know the right thing. Boy, that is not where you want to place your parenting skills today, is it? That's exactly right. I think most parents assume the best of their children, which sounds biblical, but in this case, because we're assuming the best of our girls, we are completely missing how many girls are struggling with this. And candidly, you know, I haven't been able to do hard and fast research on the number of girls who come to Life, Love, and God, but I would say well over 50% of Christian girls, girls in the church who have been raised to know better, struggle with at least one of those five secret mm-hmm. sins. Yeah, I mean, that that right there is profound. But it's not uh, to scare anybody or to um, create a negative response. It's to actually engage because Kids of all ages are good at showing the parents one side and then living mm-hmm. with a different side. And the more knowledgeable you are of that as a parent, the more effective your parenting is going to be, correct? That's so true. And I I shouldn't have been surprised at how many girls were struggling with it because I was one of those girls. Right. I was one of the girls who had everything going for me on the outside but struggled on the inside. Describe that environment. Take us back to you as a teenager, which wasn't that long ago. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and uh, and tell us uh, what was going on in your life and when did things begin to alarm you? Yeah. Well, I have to go back a pretty long time, actually, till when I was seven years old. I had an experience when I was just seven. And I have a seven-year-old daughter now, and it's really... Mm. Oh, it's gut-wrenching to think now what what goes on to these precious little ones. Um, but I had an experience when I was seven years old with a, with a girlfriend of mine. I was having a slumber party at her house, and she had a cartoonish birds and bees book that her parents had given her and used it in an inappropriate way and pressured me to act out, um, or she wouldn't be my friend anymore. And that was what opened the door um, to... Other things that came on a year later, I was eight years old and a bully of an eight-year-old pressured me to to do things with her that were completely inappropriate. But I was so embarrassed and so ashamed um, that I wouldn't tell anybody, not even my mom, who was my very best friend. So now that secret sin, as you described it, was taking root in your heart. That was taking root and it began a 13-year sexual addiction. And Again, by day, I was an outgoing girl. I was active in the youth group. I was ASB president, captain of every sports team. But by night, I was a shame-filled, crippled mess. And I felt like it was something, if I told anyone, they would think I was gross, that I was disgusting, that I was irredeemable. And those were the lies that Satan just showered me with, and I believed Hook, line, and sinker. So really, you struggled through junior high and all of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and into with college. That. How did you, so often, um, you know, those that wouldn't maybe embrace a Christian perspective, uh, a godly perspective, would say, well, that shame is artificial. You shouldn't have felt that way because mm-hmm. it's just a construct. Your religion was actually causing you that shame. How do you respond to that in terms of good and evil, sin and and uh, and that, how did you process all of that? Hmm. Well, I think as a young person, you don't really process it. You just feel, right? So 
God has given us a conscience, and that is a very good thing. I think there are certain things that we do that we should feel ashamed about, right? I mean, there right. are. There, we're going out of the way. No shame, people. Yeah, we're going out of the way today to, to not feel shame. And yes. That really is that not good. At its core, God has given us a conscience, and a working conscience is a good thing. But when Satan comes in and tells you, not only have you done something wrong, but you are something wrong. That is when shame becomes a cloak that you wear and it is so hard to break free of that. Did you feel uh, that spiraling down that, you know, because you were that 13 year old girl now, that that Mm -hmm. adolescent young lady who was experiencing becoming a woman, did that continue to pull you down? Did you feel dirty? You felt um, not whole? How did it play into your your self-worth? It absolutely did. I I often say that shame is the spin cycle on an addiction of any kind. You Mm. know, it plays on itself and keeps you spinning around like a washing machine where you commit a sin, you feel guilty, then you feel like I'm so far gone or so far gross that I'm never going to break free of this. So I might as well go on sinning. Right. right? And so you continue in this cycle. And I absolutely felt that way. And particularly with sexual addiction, but any of the secret sins, they tend to morph. If they're not dealt with initially, they just tend to change forms as you get older. If you don't deal with them as a young person, they follow you into your teen years. If you don't deal with them as a teenager, they follow you into your adult years. So to answer your question, yes, I did feel dirty. I felt um, damaged. And that followed me into then high school romantic relationships and into college relationships that became unhealthy very quickly. You know, to give it some context, uh, let me just um, look at some uh, data that's a year old now. And all this data is going to be outdated the day you say it. So I'll just give it that caveat. But uh, 2014 survey results show that uh, the percentage of teens in high school that admitted to using drugs or alcohol during that year. That was 70% said that they had used alcohol, 35% marijuana. And then the numbers go down from there with prescription drug use or illicit drug use, kind of in that four or 5% range. Um, That's that. And then you look at sexual um, sins, secret sins that you talk about. 16% of teens by age 15 have had sexual intercourse. Um, 33% by age 16, 48% by age 17, and it goes all the way up to 71% by age 19. Mm-hmm. Now, the, again, these numbers are going to fluctuate, but it, it should, for all of us as parents, alert and alarm us that these numbers are 71% by the age of, of 19. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people will yawn and they'll say, well, it's the culture we're living in. That is not healthy. It's not what God intended for us. And we're not uptight, conservative Christians. That's not what it's about. It's all the scars that come with it. Mm -hmm. Um, In that context, how does God see our sin, these secret sins? How does he look at us? Mm. How did he look at you? That's the most beautiful thing. And And I wish that we could help more young people understand this, that our God sees our secret sin, these things that we feel are so gross and so irredeemable, the exact same way that he sees every other sin. And this is so important to understand too. He sees our 1000th sin. When we've fallen into this addiction and and pattern of sin, he sees that 1000th sin the exact same way that he sees the first one. And if we can understand that, that all he asks is that we repent, that we turn to him 
and that we allow him to heal those broken places of our heart, we can find freedom so much sooner. Uh, in fact, when we talk about parents and their responsibility, your mom, um, you know, this was one of your family of origin issues. Your mom struggled too. Yeah. You didn't know that for a while though, right? I didn't. I didn't. My mom had me. Um, she was not married. She was, I have to say, she was the most beautiful, wonderful of women. I lost her to cancer eight years ago. Um, wow. And I loved her dearly. We we were very close because it was just she and I for a number of years. Yeah. Um, I did not realize that she had struggled the way that she did until yeah. um, she passed away and I inherited her journals. And I've kind of made my way through them and realized, um, you know, I... I knew, obviously, I had been born out of wedlock, so I knew that, but I didn't realize that she had had these same desires to find love, to find connection, to be enough that I struggled with. Now, I will say, I think, I don't think she was hiding it from me, but it was not something that we talked about. And if we had, I think that I may have had the courage to tell her about what I was struggling Mm. with. So that connection point just never happened. No, it yeah. never happened. And she trusted me. And and I because I was a very good actress and was able to per- portray to the world that I had it all together, yeah. she assumed that I was on the up and up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse, in fact, in the book, you talked about what you learned watching your mom struggle with cancer. And then you applied it um, to the shame feelings. And talk about how you connected those. As I was doing research about cancer when my mom was sick, one of the surprising facts to me was that cancer cells have exponentially more receptors for glucose than do healthy cells. So when we ingest food, those cancer cells steal the nutrition that is meant for the rest of the body. So they grow while our healthy cells begin mm. to starve. And shame is that way. When we have excessive shame in our life, we can be reading the Bible, we can be going to church, we can be listening to worship music, but that nourishment is being siphoned away by that unhealthy shame. And so we starve to death. We begin to atrophy as believers. Yeah. I mean, that's a powerful way to view that. It is. And um, I'm so appreciative of the candor that our guest is bringing to the program and the insights. Uh, Jesse Manassian on Focus on the Family today with Jim Daly. Uh, Her book is Unashamed. Overcoming the Sins No Girl Wants to Talk About. Jesse, uh, you offer an antidote to that shame. And as you mentioned a moment ago before the break, you talked about shame, um, some shame being good for conviction of the soul, and then the excess of that shame being harmful because it leaves us in a bad cycle. Um, But as you're reading Scripture, you found something in Psalm 34 that inspired you. Psalm 34 has become my favorite psalm Mm -hmm. of all the psalms. Verse 5 says that those who look to him will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. Mm -hmm. That's what we want, right? We want faces that radiate his light that are not darkened by shame. And the antidote is those who look to him. And that Hebrew word nabat is not just, you know, looking up at the sky, hoping for a miracle. Hey, God, come take this away from me. It's a conscious decision to consider him in every area of life. And the rest of the psalm goes on to explain it more fully 
of the ways that we can look to him, we respect him in our decisions, we praise him continually. It's a relationship, a deepening relationship with God where he becomes the center focus, not our sin. For you, was that a moment after you had gone through this fog, these secret sins as a teenager and a 20-something? How did that transpire? When did you lean into God, feel his forgiveness for that secret life, and then move forward. There were several points in time through my teen years that I confessed and I received God's forgiveness, and then I would fall right back down into that sin. And it was a cycle that continued for many years. But there was a point in time where I just listened to a CD series about purity as a young adult, and I realized something had to change. If I did not get freedom in this area of my life, it was going to follow me to my deathbed. Right. <laughs> I was convinced it was not going away. And how old soon. were you at that point? I was in my early 20s. Okay. And so I told my husband, I was newly married. I said, I've got to go take a night away. I hold up in a hotel room with a stack of paper, a pen, and my Bible. And I fasted and I prayed and I wrote out my prayers late into the night. And I said, God, I am not leaving until I find freedom from this sin. I hit a point of desperation. Wow. I finally realized just how much this sin was affecting me. I think I assumed that once I got married, it would just go away. And it didn't. And so then the reality of it was staring me in the face. Did it scare you? It did. It did scare me. But I, I think I just realized I wanted more. Huh. You know, we talk about the abundant life in Christ. I wanted an abundant life. I wanted an abundant marriage. And, and an you ab- weren't feeling it. I wasn't. Jesse, let me ask you this. Um, you know, there may be a 16, 17-year-old young lady or a 22-year-old young lady who is right in that cycle. They are right there. They have confessed it over and over again, and they fall back into that trap. What can they do after hearing this? Um, to begin that journey of Psalm 34, Mm -hmm. to lean into that and to change. The first step is recognizing what we mentioned earlier, that God views your 100th, 1,000th, 20,000th sin the same as he does the first. Don't let the continuation of sin keep you from believing the truth that Jesus has already broken the doors off of your jail cell. You can choose freedom. But the second step is to take a step of faith and to get help. If you are caught in a site, obviously this solo sin slayer thing is not working out for you, just like it wasn't working out for me. Find accountability. That's the first step. That takes a lot of courage. So much courage. Because you will be found out. I mean, it's the fig leaf. It's Adam and Eve in the garden. You're going to take off the fig leaf of your soul. Yes. Um, What happened when you did that? What response did you get, and who who did you confess to? It was actually my husband, and I received so much grace and so much love that you wonder, why did I not do this so, so long before? If you find a person who has your best interest in mind, more often than not, they will extend grace and love to you and want your best interest in helping you find freedom. As parents, we have such a unique role to do this. You have your daughter, your son's best interest in mind. Don't let them 
wallow in shame. Don't let them stay on this spin cycle. Be willing to take the steps necessary to broach the subject, to gently coax them out of the dark place they find themselves in. How would you go about doing that? Because I, I would think that in the Christian community particularly, and I know not everybody that listens to Focus on the Family uh, believes in Christ. We hope that for those, someday they will. And we're grateful that you're interested in hearing what we have to share. But how would you, as a Christian mom or dad, have that conversation tonight? It's something you've never talked about. And maybe your teen is 16, 17 years old. So tonight after dinner, honey, I want to talk to you. What do you say? Mm -hmm. I think this is a perfect opportunity. You say, I heard this radio program today, and I really didn't understand how many young people are struggling with these secret sins, X, Y, and Z. Do any of your friends struggle? Is this something that your friends talk about? And I want you to know that I'm a safe place. If you ever feel the need or have a desire to share something that you're struggling with, you will not find judgment from me, but I will be your advocate and I will love you. And that, even if they do not answer anything tonight when you have that conversation, it will plant a seed in their mind right. of knowing that they can come to you. So don't feel rejected if you start the conversation. And don't continue to prod. Parents, right. we can, we, I don't know what it is with parents. We get a degree in lecturing when we become parents. <laughs> it can be an effective lecture. tool. <laughs> there you go. A real fine lecture. Right? You know, along those lines, Jesse, there are going to be some girls in particular, but boys as well, in engaged in some of these secret sins, the cutting, the substance abuse, sexual sin, same-sex relationships, and, and even eating disorders that don't realize that this is a sin. They're, they're not at a point where they want help. This is just the default mode for life. It's where I go. And um, we had a daughter who was not in a good spot with food, and we had to help her awaken to the fact that she was she was engaging in some pretty dangerous stuff. How do we start that conversation? Mm. I think there's essentially three different places that a parent can find themselves in. The first one is when you suspect that something might be going on with your teen. You may not be sure. This is a good time to ask questions, not in a leading or accusing way, but to genuinely open up that those channels of communication. Can I ask you there, because it's so easy for a parent to go there, to go to that accusatory tone, mm -hmm. and yeah. I suspect so, and it's fear. The mm -hmm. parent's full of fear. They think, oh no, the worst possible thing has happened. How do you, how do you coach a parent to pull back from that, that pit? I will give you one line of advice. As long as you have relationship, you have influence. Hmm. And it, it, when it comes to these secret sins, they need that relationship piece. Mm -hmm. They need to know three things from you. One, that you do not love them any less. Two, that you do not think that they are irredeemable. And three, that you are going to be their advocate no matter what. Yeah, that's good. Secondly, you may not even suspect that anything's going on. You may be assuming, like so many parents do, that your children are absolutely fine, that they're not struggling with any of these things, and they may not even have friends who are struggling with any of these things. And if that is your situation, I can't encourage you enough to start building the foundation of openness in your home. So start the communication. Start the communication, not only about these topics, but I will tell you, that teens can smell a judgmental person five million miles away. Mm -hmm. So if you are talking about 
other kids, other teens in a way that does not show empathy or understanding, there is no way that they are going to come to you and tell you that they are missing the mark. Right. Yeah. And starting with a friend is good because it's slightly off center. It's not directed at me. Right. Exactly. And the third situation a parent can find themselves in is when they discover that, in fact, their child is caught up in one of these secret sins. And you need an entirely new set of tools for that situation. Well, Jesse Manassian, author of the book, Unashamed, um, I so appreciate your vulnerability. There is so many more questions that I have. Um, Can we come back next time and further equip parents to do the right thing? when they are in this spot where their teens might be experiencing these secret sins of cutting and drug abuse and eating disorders, sexual sin, whatever it might be, they're on a path to destructive behavior. Uh, I need to hear more from you. Can you come back? I can. Let's do it. Well, I hope you can be with us then as we continue to talk to Jesse Manassian and uh, address those struggles that so many teen girls are experiencing. Our program was provided by Focus on the Family. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening. I'm John Fuller. You have your daughter or son's best interests in mind. That's the truth, I'm sure. So, as JC Manassian encouraged us today, take action and build that relationship of trust with your child. Let them know that you're going to be their advocate. A good relationship is the building block that will help you to broach some of those tough topics later on. And in her book, Backwards Beauty, How to Feel Ugly in 10 Simple Steps, Jessie Manassian examines 10 cultural lies young women listen to regarding beauty to help them unpack how they're looking at themselves through the wrong lens. This honestly could be the most valuable resource for your teen girl and you can order it from us by visiting our website at safamily.co.za or when you call us on 031-716-3300. And while you're online, have a look at the fantastic deals on gifts and resources for your entire family this Christmas. That website address again is safamily.co.za. I hope that you can join us for the conclusion of our program tomorrow. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back then when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.